This is the Cast. Let's uh, conclude an awful... Well, I mean, it was awful for them, but for us, uh, the Kreeks cast, Lachlan and Cody, um, it actually was about the most interesting season we could have possibly had in our first season as a duo, as a show, because yeah. we got pretty much everything under the rainbow. Like we had, you know, preseason fights between teammates, like Tyler Mott trying to kill <laughs> oh his my own God. teammate. We had, I forgot um, about that. <laughs> we had Jim Ben, or we had like the awful start that resulted in Jim Benning doing a press conference where he basically laid out his non forward thinking or <laughs> plans for uh, progression or long term thinking. Uh, we had the live day to day. The um, we talked to, or he talks to Francesco Aquilini every day, which was like so funny in hindsight now that the ownership talks are back in question again. Um, but then we had the P1 variant outbreak, the two wins and nine losses, or sorry, 11 losses in February or March or whatever that basically tanked their entire season. Yeah, We had the yep. schedule change or the schedule release that resulted in you know, JT Miller coming out and having to put the team on his back and being like, this is bullshit. How the fuck do you expect us to play after this? Well, Uh, Well, simultaneously uh, throwing a huge shot at management and ownership. Yeah. Very rightfully so. Followed by Bo Horvat also taking a shot at management because they were like, what's it like to like, do you feel supported by management and owner and ownership? And he said, we feel very supported by the fans and our family and friends. And that was it. And then after that, the shit. team looks like complete shit, like expectedly get bounced from playoffs. And now we've got talks of players possibly wanting outs in the off season. There's questions over like a crisis in faith in management between the players and the fan base. There's one of the, the hometown kids that was signed to a deal that had been laughed at since the start of the year get shelved by the team rightfully after being accused in a civil suit for allegations of sexual misconduct. Pretty much everything, literally everything that could go wrong. And that's not even including the off season moves that happened in September and October that blew up the core that seem to be on the brink of breaking out after the playoff bubble. So, and this all happened in a five month span. It is May 19th, 2021. Everyone we are recording in the middle of the Boston Washington overtime game and the start of the Winnipeg Edmonton game. And it's basically the, we're not even going to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. We have no reason to talk about it because there's no time. Like just simply don't. (laughs) Like Jim Benning, we ran out of time. Yeah, you you gave that list. You gave that list of all the things, and there were so many things in there that like little details that I forgot. And all I can think about is right now. Do you remember Cody? Uh, at, at, there was once a time this season where our biggest problem as a fan base was that. Braden Holtby couldn't get his turtles across the border. Uh, That was once the biggest (laughs) issue facing the Vancouver Canucks. 
And now look where we are. Um, what I wouldn't give to go back to uh, what are what are their what are the oh, what are their names? They're real. There were good names too. There was I like I think they were. I don't remember, but the or tor- yeah, Brain Holpies tor- uh, tortoises or turtles. I guess tortoises because they can live on uh, dry land. Um, that couldn't get make it over the border. Uh, he got stuck at the Amer- on the American side. Yeah. And it was like, golly gee, what a heart. Uh, this certainly won't be an omen of any kind. No, it's, it was the weirdest <laughs> omen, too. It wasn't even like, like, it was, know, it was a cute like one. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, lightning struck Rogers Arena twice on the eve of the first game <laughs> of the season. No, it was like, uh-huh. oh, this new goalie who was signed to like a pretty, you know, pricey deal. And, you know, despite like having a really awful season. And, his big issue was he he was stuck at the border trying to get his turtles across. Yeah, and so like I at the time you're like, this is cute, this is fun, I, but it was just an omen of everything. Yeah, that's going to come for a, such I, an awful, awful season. Totally, I I do think I remember their names because I remember that at the time Tim Horton sent them uh like a gift bath, like a welcome basket because I think their tur- tortoises' names were like maple maple bar and um like honey dip or something like there were donut oh, names after donuts okay yeah i think they named their 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 tortoises after donuts and so that's and that's pr- prompted tim hortons to send them like like uh like donuts and like i think they like tim hortons hockey cards with like the turtles okay. on them <laughs> yeah, yeah right. i think so something like that something like that that was such a nice time. That was such a. We were also. Uh, we were also naive, young and naive, and then truly, <laughs> just the literally like we don't have. We don't. We don't. We, can, we don't have to mince words here. This was the worst season in the history of the Vancouver Canucks it, by it was... a country mile. It blew the Keenan Messier year, or what, and whatever else might have been out there. The Torts year, uh, yeah. just uh, out of the water. Like it. it, it Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And then some other bullshit happened on top of it. Like, it was just all of it. Like, you you just hit garbage bingo. Like, a full, like, full, like, but not like five in a row. It's just the full card. Yep, entirely dotted up. Every single thing. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's interesting because I do believe that that one Willie Desjardins season, like 2016, 2017, when like the starting roster included like a first line that had like Michael Chaput on it or Jason Megda, and they legitimately tried to run that as their top six for the like first half of the season, and it was a disaster. Like, I feel like in, for On Ice product, the Canucks had their struggles in the early parts. They had struggles late after their COVID outbreak. But I feel like, I mean, it wasn't, the play wasn't as bad as that 2016-17 season. Because that season had two 15-game losing streaks, I think. 15 or 9, I can't remember. But it was two of, Willie Desjardins has a record in Canucks coaching history as having the or uh, five of the worst losing streaks in a three-year span as the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. And two of them came in the same season in like a three-month span. So 
I I said this on uh, the Power of the Towel podcast the other day that like I remember watching every single game that season and being like, like oh my god, I know I watched all these ep- episodes, these games, but my brain has purged them from my memory to block them out. And you had a wonderful tweet earlier today where you had basically said, "Thanks for the season, Canucks. We won't forget you, though we will try." And that's yeah. like kind of what my brain has been doing for me to the benefit of my mental health, because the 2016-17 season for me was the worst on ice product I think I've ever watched of a season of hockey. It was unwatchable. This season, you could, you couldn't fault the players. They were trying. No. The chemistry wasn't there. They fucked up the locker room chemistry by sending out all the most beloved players that were the most important to the core. Whereas in 2016 and 2017, there was nothing there. It was Bo Horvat, the Sedins, and a bunch of awful, awful players that they signed and expected to somehow reach playoffs with. Like they legitimately thought this was a team and a core that was going to win them playoff games. And it was And then they awful. finished 29th out of 30. Um yeah, from from a yeah. Um and what's crazy about that is that at least then there was kind of hope like in terms of well they're going to get the they might get the they're going to have the second best lottery odds in the NHL. Yeah. And even if they don't win it, and even if they don't, even if they don't win it, they're still going to get a high pick, which I believe turned into Elias Pettersson. So hell yeah. Uh, So that in a way, so to a certain extent, that was worth it, man. It's busy by your, uh, it's busy by your place right now. There's like planes going by. There's like people. That's fun. I'm sorry. There's like a, like a motorcade of motorcycles going outside of my house right now. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, Again, fitting fitting for the end, like fitting for the end of the season, just like chaos. all the noise in the world. Chaos, chaos, exactly. It's just the end of times, basically, for uh, this city right now. Um, but yeah, there was reason to kind of at least be hopeful of, well, this team was sucks, but at least there's kind of a... And maybe it wasn't fully by design, at least from what the management said. But right at the beginning, you knew, yeah, this season's not going to be a year where they do anything besides the playoffs. This is just a year of, this is going to be the year of pain, one of the years of pain before it starts to get better sort of thing. This year, on the other hand, like, where do you go? Because, like, yes, the on-ice product theoretically was better this year. But, and I guess this would be kind of a, this would be a good conversation for like another pot for another show, I guess, which is like, well, what, what, what constitutes a worse season? Is it whether the product on the ice is bad or is it all of the situation around it that makes it, that makes it bad, that makes it worse sort of thing. Right. Like, like, and cause honestly that could depend, like what could, what you constitute a bad season could be very different, which is what, and right. like for the torts here, for example, they actually, they weren't terrible. Like they weren't utterly like bottom of the bat basement team that year. But then you go into the things like Tortorella storm in the locker room, Gillis getting, uh, getting fired. Um, just all of the, you know, all the outside things that came with it. Kessler yeah, clearly not wanting does. to be there anymore. Luongo getting benched, like all of the, all of the things surrounding the games made it so much worse. So Drance had a great tweet about 
all of this stuff before, like today, we're like at the end of the se- at the end of the season, talk about like there was like the logo controversy, right? When like people were asking if it's uh, like you know if it's offensive because it's uh, not designed by First Nations people. Um, right. An anti an anti mask anthem singer fi- who got <laughs> fired on Twitter. P- P1, you mentioned P1, dismal, yep. le- leaves, uh, I cl- I don't know what some of these mean, uh, I will say, Di- what was the dismal one? Jeez, there are some That's the problem, is th- there was so many bad things, like, you can only, like, so, like, selectively remember, like, a few of them. Yeah. Like, closing, like the, closing the time injuries was 1040. Tweet. Team 1040 closed, te- Team 1040 closed down oh, this year. Oh, yeah, okay. That was another thing that happened, like, that was the closing time, I think, was, wasn't it? No, because uh, it was a uh, time of your life, not closing time. Unless he's referring to that, but I, I, I think he's referring to that, like, uh, in terms of um, just like because he had to fit it all in, and so I think, uh, and then a bunch of people like replied with like, "We didn't start fire," yeah, <laughs> which is mwah, perfect, accurate. that accurate, very accurate. And, so many, and in his happen. list too, in his list too, there's like one positive, and it's just umlaut season because that's right. That's literally it. Niels Hoglander yeah. was the best for my money's worth, and we'll get into this later when we do our year-end rewards. Spoiler for what the end of the show is going to look like, because the middle chunk of it is going to be basically us ranting about what a mess this Canucks team is. Uh, but you knew that Niels anyway, Hoglander, didn't you? Yeah, you, you guys knew what was coming. You knew what up, you so signed up real. for today. This is yeah, we're exactly. Bringing the we're bringing the fire today. This is this yeah. is a big this is a big show for us. This is a big show for everybody. Yeah, um, but Niels Hoglander is the only. Like, for my money's worth, the best forward for the Canucks all season. Brought it every single night. Might not have been leading the team in points in any statistical category, but, like, the fact that he was a young kid fighting on every single shift, really battling every time he was on the ice, dynamic, you know, just they needed, like, without him. Oh, my God. There, this is the most depressing. Yes. Like, then it takes over my my previous critiques of 2016-17. Then this season really is just completely worthless, and they got nothing out of it. Um, but, I don't know, do you want to do an infinity blocker choice for the last four games? <laughs> I mean, no, I'll tell you no. my, I'll tell you my this... pick. Okay, sure, can, go ahead. Like, go we ahead. can segue into our, like, kind of little sure. talk. Sure, my block. pick. Oh, wrong one. There we go. There we go. Infinity my... blocker, go for it. My pick, even though he probably doesn't deserve it because he didn't really do much, except log ice time, it's Alex Edler, who might oh. have played his final games as a Vancouver Canuck, although Maybe. being scratched in the final game of the year might kind of draw some question marks on that, and we can kind of get into this a bit. Um he was really going for the hundredth goal thing. They were giving him power play one time, like a lot, a lot of power they play were one time. It was pretty much like that 100 goal. They were trying like, to they weren't even trying goal. to win. The motive for every single game was let's see how we can get Eddie his fine, his hundredth goal. And they tried. They really, really tried. He almost had, a, he had a great he look had, with he, like a cross. He had it. From and then, Schmidt. Yeah, and like, then Brock stole it from. <laughs> he had two with the things stolen by Professor. He had the deflection that went in front at one point, and then he had the uh, the empty netter where he probably could have passed it to Tedler, and he didn't bother. He was like, "Fuck oh you!" Oh my god! This is for all was... the this is for all the look offs on Power Play well, One yeah. when I first made my debut. All uh, the times you didn't pass. <laughs> yeah, so incredible. Um, I mean, I I'll, I'll throw it to you where I'm like, okay, because he was benched. 
in the final game of the season. Didn't crack 100. Do you think he's coming back? Or do you think maybe he didn't ever give a shit about getting 100 goals and there was just no sense in him flying to Edmund or to Calgary for a meaningless game? I honestly, right now, I, I, it's very 50 50 for me right now. I don't, I don't, I, I could very well see him being like, yeah, I'm done. This is it for me. I don't, I'm, I'm ready to, to, I'm ready to call it a day. Uh, the Canucks not red or the Canucks not wanting to necessarily re-sign him, that sort of thing. I could very well see that being an opportunity option. And I, in terms of like the whether that was his last game or not thing, I do think that um, I would agree with that sentiment uh, fully. Had it been a home game, like if it had been the last game of the season in Vancouver, right. uh, you and I talked about this before the show. Uh, I think then if he had sat, then I'd be like, oh, okay, he's coming back. Um, but because it was in Calgary, I'm kind of like, I'm not as sure that that means that, that that mean, necessarily means he's, he's, uh, not retiring because sure. I, 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 I could, I could very well see them, him being like, or the team being like, well, let's make his last game a game in Vancouver since nobody's going to be in the crowd anyway. There's no, it's not like. In a normal year, like say when the Sedins retired and they played their last game in technically in Edmonton, um, right. where there were probably a lot of fans, Canucks fans, who bought tickets to that game uh, mm-hmm. to go see them in their final opportunity, their final, their final game ever. Yeah. Um, and uh, whether that was locals or people flying in. Um, this year there's not that. So you don't really, if you want to make their last game special, it kind of does make more sense that you would do it, uh, at home if you're not, if they're, the fans don't come into, into factor in. But again, right. I could, but again, I could also see a scenario where they go to him and are like, yeah, we'll bring you back. Um, again, I, I would prefer they only do that if they're going to bring him in as like a bottom six or like a strictly third pairing guy playing a much smaller amount of ice time um maybe even not playing every single game like you're flip like you're switching between him and uh a seventh a seventh defenseman uh because very clearly this year like the it was obvious that he took a step back speed wise and his uh endurability he looked his age for the first time Yes, which is impressive because it took him a while. Yeah, it took him a while to get there. Um, uh, but yeah, I think with Edler, I do think that I, I, I very, it very well could be one or the other. And I, I tweeted this during the the game against the game, the last game, the the second to last game. Uh, how it's like it, it is it at the time it was nuts to think about the fact that that could have been Alex Edler's last game in Vancouver as a Canuck. And it was, like, the 12th most important thing going on. Like, the 12th most important Canucks storyline in that game. Bonkers. Like, just bonkers. Any other year, first first thing on everyone's mind. This year, not even, like, top... You're not even, like, top five in terms of concern. Which sucks for Edler if it does end up happening to be his last game. Um, Yeah. But... You know what? We'll see. There's a there's some off season stuff to go through before we oh get, maybe God. get an answer. We might not get an answer on that for a while. No, because uh, I mean, 
before they even get to the offseason of like what do they do with like the people they still have signed to contracts, the guys that they need to re-sign to contracts. Uh, they have a draft to go through, a, a draft where they they had originally had top five odds to get first overall, and they did what Vancouver Canucks do, and they won the final meaningless games of the season and dropped to the 10th lowest odds to pick first overall in a season Not- or in a year where they say like there's maybe 10 or 11 good players in the top end of the draft that's it so Canuck luck not- that's, that's all it is not only did they do that not only did they somehow like completely like tank their odds at a good draft pick they did it while also still finishing dead last in the North Division. Yeah, like, like they didn't even get the satisfaction of being like, "Well, we passed Ottawa." Nope, yeah, you got no. neither. You got yeah, like, absolutely neither. Um, there was a quote I wanted to. I I I use I've used this before. Um, this is and th- this is a this is a I I'm using a quote around surrounding a different team. The if you've ever gone on to onto the secret base YouTube channel, uh, which is like formerly like the SB nation sports mm-hmm. YouTube channel. They have a guy named John boys who I really love. He makes these great, really in-depth videos. You and I have talked about it before. Um, yeah. but he makes like these in-depth, like statistical videos and he and another, uh, uh, another guy there, they did an entire four hour documentary on the history of the Seattle Mariners. Um, and, it's amazing, by the way. You should check it out. It's absolutely amazing. One of the best sports documentaries I've ever seen. Um, it's like in six parts. But yeah. one of the f- key phrases in that series, because um, the Seattle Mariners, much like the Canucks, never won a championship. They've done some cool things. They've never won. The, they've never won at all. They've never even been a World Series. Um, but the quote that John Boys used for the Mariners, I'm going to use for the Canucks, is that the Vancouver Canucks aren't competitors their protagonists they they're not really competing in hockey so much as hockey is happening to them it's <laughs> this is the this is the canucks and that's yeah. like sometimes they'll do something incredible like the canucks have done some nutty things in their history before just things that make no sense like they and this is one of them like in that sense of they always lose when they shouldn't and they always win when they shouldn't yes. they're so good at doing the wrong <laughs> the yeah. wrong thing at the right time like truly it's 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 such a talent they're so good at it like like they would have finished with the best odds in the draft lottery that year that you were talking about had they not swept a, a southern california road trip yeah like when they won the last that, like what seven games of the season or something like that or last four or whatever some like it was something dumb where it was just like of stretch. course you just fucked like, up everything you morons every time they do it every time it's it is bo- mind boggling and now we're going into a situation where um honestly like the biggest the the biggest story about all of this going into like the off season everything is you know obviously yesterday there was the whole rumors that possibly there was going to be change coming to the Canucks there've been rumors have been floating around all season really because the season's been such a disaster <laughs> and then Elliot Freeman drops the bomb yesterday that uh Jim Benning will be re- had been informed by the team that he'll be returning as GM in 2021-22 <laughs> yeah it's time to get into this this is the this is what people have been waiting for this is the big one this is the biggest story of 
I almost don't even want to because it's just like like that entire day it was like you said like Edler trying to get 100 was like the 12th most important story of the day because there was just so much else going on and it began with Alex Blair from uh, formerly I mean I guess formerly of Sportsnet 650 of the of the the, uh, on-air podcast with uh, Israel Fair Friend yeah, of the I believe show. you guested on that program as well on radio one of those days, didn't you know? No, that? I was on Canuck Central Saturday with uh oh, with um uh why am I blanking on names? Jamie Dodd. Uh, uh okay. Or, yeah. Okay. I was on that one. But uh I, Izzy has been on the Crease cast before. He was a guest on the okay. show. So and obviously Perfect. uh jo- and obviously George is also a friend of the show, so Yeah, oh, fair yeah. enough. Okay, so yeah. he, uh the day starts off with Alex Blair being like Pretty sure that there are changes coming, basically like setting the groundwork of what was going to come for the day. And that the ownership group, after all these these speculative rumors about like, you know, getting involved with the court nulls and, you know, doing an audit of the organization, looking at changes, uh, the day starts with uh, change is coming. It's going to happen probably tonight. Uh, that started in the, the early, early morning, and everything snowballed from there. Then it came out that the Sedins were somehow involved in discussions with uh, entering the team in a advisory or operational management capacity. And after everyone's freaking out, being like, oh, why are they going back to the alumni well? This is, this is 2016 or 2014 all over again when they got Trevor Linden to be a puppet. Why are they ruining their legacies? And then Darren Drager confirms, like, Sedins, they're getting looks from the, from the ownership group. And then end of the night. <laughs> or not even end of the night. It was like, what, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock? Elliot Friedman saying, <laughs> confirm, just want to confirm, Jim Benning has been told with 24 hours notice that he will be returning next season. And it was like, all of these people speculating over like these drastic changes that were going to come finally to an organization that has basically just like failed upwards and downwards over the last seven years while accomplishing nothing. They don't make the one move that would actually restore confidence in the fan base arms thrown up worldwide. I'm sure a lot of massage therapists and, um, chiropractors got a lot of appointments from all the people throwing their arms so violently in the air out of nowhere and Um, it's just so deflating to see like like the the groundwork was laid the thought was entered into the ethos of canucks fans that possibly like progressive change was going to happen that would lead to the the improvement or at least a a restoration of trust in the organization itself, beginning with ownership, recognizing that they needed to, you know, clean house in their management staff and start fresh with a team that just looked completely out of sorts from the on ice product to the off ice product. And basically was a laughing stock in the league as confirmed numerous times by different insiders that they are just basically being laughed at by other GMs, other agents. And then Friedman drops the hammer, says, nope, he's back, baby, get used to it. But Sedins are definitely probably getting going to sit in on the exit interviews. They're going to, I don't know, enter the Canucks organization in some kind of capacity. Don't doubt their ability to do it. And 
is disappointing because I don't know. It just seems like a delaying of the inevitable when fans are back in the stadium and it's the exact same roster as last season. Like we'll get into the VC or the plains of Highmore, the sea of Grandland. Um, it's pretty much going to be the same lineup, but the most important players are going to be on infinitely more expensive t- deals. And the improvements that should have happened in last off season, which were delayed and instead allocated to awful, awful assets that c- contributed nothing this season uh, are going to be returning for next. And it's just going to be more of the same with no clear plan or long-term outlook in mind that is going to lead to like a turnaround in the short term that will result in better on ice product and results that lead to playoffs. Instead, it's going to be more of what Jim Benning said in his earlier press conference availability. When he said, we are probably two years away from competing with elite teams, which would put this organization at nine years before they can compete with elite teams, which is just fucking pathetic, frankly. For a team, for a management group that started out by saying, we're going to turn things around in a hurry and basically failed at trying to turn things around in a hurry and built a core through failure rather than intentional actions is so pathetic. And the fact that they're getting another kick at the can without even a head coach signed, without their goalie coach signed, assistant coaches signed, just trying to do it as cheaply as possible while also contending with having to build a farm team from scratch. Like consumer confidence in the brand, in the organization is rock fucking bottom. And to see like this completely tone deaf maneuver of just thinking it's completely fine to bring Benning back blows my mind. I don't, you can, by all means, sir, rant away because I, I cannot invest more of my brain power into just how pathetic it is that a regime like this is still getting chances eight years now to try and build a contender, never once learning from their mistakes and somehow holding the ear of the ownership group through this entire time. Like, I have made mistakes once or twice in my job. And if I make them a third time, I will never hear the fucking end of it. And I have to go out of my way to explain all the context necessary for why it's my fault and how it's going to be prevented next time. We're talking seven years straight of cap mismanagement poor drafting, poor development, poor free agent acquisitions, like off ice issues as well. Like saying they praise character while shifting off or shipping off Jared McCann, but then bringing in Brandon Prust and fucking re-signing Jake for Tannen to a two year deal, despite not having earned it like whatsoever blows my mind. I, I wish I could get away with making as many frequent similar mistakes as these guys do. And I'm not being trusted with a multi-million dollar property. I'm being charged with like $50,000. You know what I mean? 
these guys have been entrusted with a billion dollar franchise and have tanked its value into the hundreds of millions of dollars. They're the sure only did. organization in the last 14 or, or 12 years or something like that. I think, uh, I can't remember his name. It's someone on Twitter. I think it's um, Lord Humongous or whatever had a thread that was basically like in the last seven years or eight years or whatever, the every single NHL franchise value has gone up except the Vancouver Canucks who's decreased. That is, is unbelievable. Again, friendly reminder that in the seven years, uh, the Coyotes almost moved, the Hurricanes yeah. almost moved, and the Panthers almost moved. And when I say almost, yeah, I mean like in the sense of if they had been sold, if they had speculative, and also if they had been sold, if they couldn't find a local buyer, they would have been. They were almost right. guaranteed gone. Like they were. Yeah, gone. they had the Marulo show up out of nowhere in the in the eleventh hour. Like the Coyote by the and team. The, well, he was the well, he and he's been the sixth or seventh owner in yeah. that timeline. And yeah. like now, they're still worth more than the Coyotes, but yes. they the Coyotes' value has risen in that amount of time where they have just gone through shocking. bankruptcies, arena deals being just decimated uh and still being a shit team and still being not good and still not selling any tickets any damn tickets um but the canucks are the only team left are the only team left that hasn't made the money look unreal like it is unreal like okay i it's it's stunning it's it is both stunning and completely not at all stunning whatsoever that we're getting another year of gym betting like yeah we should have expected it because you know what this is what the Canucks oh, yeah, do this sure. is this is this is the this is the history of this team is wrong decisions at the worst possible time we've already said it and now and then you throw in the fact of an owner of an ownership group that again i've said before and relatively recently that i think when you come as close as they did to winning a Stanley Cup, I think, or any sports championship as an owner, as like a serious owner, yeah, I think that drives you a little mad. Like, not in real, like, and I mean that figuratively, obviously. I think it drives you a little bit crazy that you got so close. And all you can think about is, how do I get that back? How do I how do i personally make that happen and the way that the this ownership group has reacted to that is to that situation is oh i'm going to get really involved with everything going on with the team to a i'll say toxic degree and start hamstringing them on decisions and making choices myself as if i know what i'm doing as a hockey person. Yeah. Um, again, and hey, like, I don't know what, like, yeah, whatever your businesses are, like, I understand that owners get a say because they're paying billions of dollars for this biz for a business. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not under the, and I'm not under this guise of like, oh, you know, ho- like hockey and sports or general are above this idea of like business or sort of thing. Like business is how we get, we don't get games like this and we don't get events like this without it being a business i understand that's a a thing i'm not like i don't think it's some rare purity pure thing but you but 
as an own as an, an owner of a business and someone who's probably who's become successful and made a lot more money from the successes of their own businesses outside of hockey, you'd think they'd have figured out by now that the only way to become successful at what you do is to listen to the people you hire or when they don't do a good job, you replace them with somebody who will do better. You don't just go, this is fine, they'll turn it around, or worse, get involved and start making your own calls on how to do things, even though, again, you have no, never run a hockey team in your entire life. You may pay the bills, you don't, you've never run a team. Have you, have you ran, have you, uh, ran your kid, your kid's minor hockey team ever? Like, have you ever been the manager of a minor, of like your kid's team? Probably not. Like, that would be at least somewhat helpful because you know how scheduling and working with people is and why it's important. Um, you, you cannot call, you cannot be getting involved. And this ownership group has routinely made poor choices uh, that have resulted in the environment that this team is in now, where you have players who might be asking for a trade you have situations where somehow somehow you are very gung-ho about what you want from your team and what you want from your players and the fans and what you expect from the fans and the media and everything. But then when the NHL comes to you and says, hey, we're going to make your, t- your team just got sick and we're going to make you play, uh, you're going to make your players play a bunch of games in way too, m- in way too short an amount of time. They're like, whatever. Like they just roll over for them. It's garbage. It's total garbage. It's total hypocritical garbage. And literally, this is like, I, I, Jim Benning, whatever you feel about him, is like, it's, 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 he's, he's almost a sympathetic character in this case because of the fact that he, there is not, it's very clear that even though he is not a good general manager, there's not a whole lot he can do. Like, well, he is, yeah, he's like, well, like, he he's says a he huge wants yes man, right? Like, that's, that's well, yeah, actually like. He yeah. he's he's constrained by the fact that he is a yes man, and Francesco Aquilini and his fi- the family are basically like we want we spent a shit ton of money to you know ascend to the top during 2011. We invested in sleep science, we invested in mind rooms, we invested in pretty much everything imaginable, and we lost. Right. And you guys beat us, Jim Benning. You and your Boston Bruins beat us. So we want you to do what you did with Boston on a cheaper budget and win us a cup. And it hasn't happened in seven fucking years. Not only has it not happened, they're not even a contender. They're not even a playoff, a regular playoff team. They're a mess. They can't like, okay. Like for every single time that it's like, Oh, but Jim Benning's great at, uh, Develop at getting yet drafting players and development. Have you looked at the cu- the Utica Comets cupboard recently? It's bare. Yes, There's it nothing is. there. There's nothing left. And I am not looking forward to writing my season recap and being like, oh, by the way, guys, there is nothing coming. No, there nothing. are no outside of who's already of the high draft picks like Pud like Vasily Pudkolzin. There's yeah. no one coming. There is no, no one else the- coming. There might be like, Jet Wu coming, maybe in three years, but sure. like he that's wasn't that years. great, and he and wasn't that three, good. And that's one guy in three and that's one guy years yeah. where you've had seven, where you have, where you have some, potentially seven draft picks. 
Yes. And that's all all you have to show for it in seven years is okay. You have the first like people can go, oh, but Pedersen, he drafted Pedersen and Hughes and stuff. Those are the gimmies. Every the GM is expected to that is the bare minimum low bar to clear is to get somebody who jumps into your lineup and yeah. makes an impact. And they failed on that twice with Vertanen and Oleo Levy. Yeah. Like unreal like matthew kachuk scored a goal today they could have had matthew kachuk he almost got a hat like, trick he almost got a hat trick in a game where olio levy was healthy scratched oh he because... okay, like we we didn't even talk about this uh i think in our last episode because i think the game happened after but he he played him like we we can we can segue a bit here olio levy played himself out of the nhl the other day he cannot oh, skate yeah. and i I listen to the radio or whatever, like in the mornings and like when I'm driving home from work. And so you get like the, uh, the fan calls into the radio station to talk about like what they think about the team. I heard someone say that you still a kid and just needs more time to develop. And I, I like, I would, I don't usually like yell at the radio because like, I am, you know, I don't want to be that old yet. Like I'm very old, but like, I don't want to be like yelling at the radio or yelling at the sky yet. I'm not oh, Mark no. edge. Um, and so I heard him say like, he just needs more time to develop. And I'm like yelling at my radio at a stoplight going, what the fuck play are you watching? He can't fucking skate. He can't pivot. You know who beat him on the outside? Yes. The games are meaningless. It was fucking Josh Levo who had knee reconstruction surgery and fucking yeah. Milan Lucic. Like he can't beat those two while defending at the NHL level and you're like give them more time just what guess what people slow down as they get older they don't get faster he's 23 years old he's not gonna just suddenly be like oh I I, I can skate now I know what to yeah. do anyone who no. watched that pivot against Levo or Lucic knows he is not an NHL defense defenseman Nolan Baumgartner didn't trust him all year and then the one year where they needed to play him he got completely tuned by guys that cannot skate at the NHL level. And that happened multiple times this year. So stop, people. Anyone listening to this who has friends that say, oh, Yule Levy's going to come up next year and replace Edler. No, you stop no. them dead in your tracks and you say he cannot skate. He will be a fine AHL player, but he is on the ex expiry of his ELC. And honestly, for my money's worth, I wouldn't even bother extending him. There's no he point. He would have been in a D an NHL defenseman in the '90s or the 2000s, <laughs> like, like, and that's actually that's not necessarily an ins, and that's not a, like meant to be a dig at him. Like, I mean I'm talking dig. about. Okay, I know you do, but <laughs> for me, when I say that, I literally mean the fact that the game has just gotten so much faster in the last few years yes. that if you're not quick enough on your feet, like Ulevi is, you cannot get a you 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 can't you won't last. Or physical, before, like that's the thing too, right? Because before you could, he could before in like the earlier years, in like the earlier decades, the game was a little slower. It's a little bit bigger and a little bit grindier, like grinded out sort of game. They've yeah. gotten away from that as much, especially in the post lockout era. But like even now, like in, it's increased since like twenty, basically since McDavid came into the league, it really just went up a notch of speed is your number one concern. So he could have done okay in those eras, 
but now it's just not, you just can't, it's just not a, it's not a, you can't get away with being that, with being that slow. And, you know, yes, you can teach people to be a little faster, but not enough, not enough to actually make that big a difference. Like you can tell, like you can teach someone technique to say like, take um, like a few minutes, like a few seconds off their mile time, but you can't teach them to, uh, to like, like, Cut fundamentally cheat yeah, you can't change yeah you can't just teach someone to fundamentally just, alter the way that they generate speed or momentum in their some stride people some people it, can it's, but it's it's not a 20 and it's and it's a genetics thing too like some people yeah. just like heavier like if you're a tall huge guy you're just going to be slower because you're bigger and you're carrying a bigger a bigger body weight around like that's just how it is like and with you levy he's clearly his body just cannot go that extra pen so it's not there for him and he will like he could i i i think he could maybe be a seventh defenseman for the team but that's it like i wouldn't he would very much be a you know an oscar fantenberg more than a you know an alex edler at, um, at this point at this point for me we've like, gone a little bit off the topic but still yeah no i just uh, I, I heard that on the radio earlier today oh, colorado just mm-hmm. scored for 35 seconds into the first period. <laughs> Carolina, uh, Carol- Carolina, um, Carolina just won. Carolina yeah. won a game. Again, oh, yeah. so many um, good playoff things so to talk about. Thing. I think Boston won tonight, I guess, yeah. uh, as well. But, like, uh, but yeah, so, so anyway, just, just to wrap up the UL Levy talk, um, he could be a 7th D, but he doesn't play physical enough to be a 7th D. Like He gets pushed around because he's not a strong guy. And for my money's worth, like, if anything, it would be like a Jalen Chaffield because like he skates hard. He's fa- he's way faster than you Levy. His positioning sucks and his offense sucks, but like you're at least getting like mileage out of him. Whereas you Levy, you have to like painstakingly like shelter him with minutes and basically hope he gets like a good breakout pass. But otherwise, what are you getting? Are you, are you winning with him on the ice? And the answer most of the times is no. The answer is like maybe with Chaffield, but like, you're not getting any offense, but you didn't get offense with Oscar Fantenberg when he was in the lineup. And Oscar Fantenberg was kind of useful. Uh, I don't think Yule Levy is useful. And like it sucks to say that because, you know, he's a fifth, like you said, fifth overall pick. You, you hedged a lot. Yeah, he's taken, he's taken high. He had good like upside at the time because like he was an okay skater with good like offensive IQ. But when the you rattle off. Yeah, multiple knee reconstructions and like lower back surgeries after putting on a bunch of weight and muscle, like that's that's nearly impossible to overcome as any player, let alone someone who's like in their awkward stage of development as like like physically developing. Like that's 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 tough to overcome. Um, sucks for him. It sucks for the Canucks. It sucks for G- Jim Benning because they were really fucking high on you levy being that edler replacement and now yeah. we're you and know on the like, eve look, of an off season where the canucks are still gonna have to decide if they want to bring edler back even though he's arguably slower than you levy which is saying yeah. something yeah and just this year like this year show was like i guess i never really fully finished what i was talking about with ownership and management and everything mm-hmm. like the environment that they have created around this team in this year, um, like, transcends just abysmal 
like it just the any abysmal things that we've seen from this franchise before like yeah you know what like because again look we just got we just spent an extra like five minutes talking about Olio levy right yeah but at the end of the day like off on ice stuff is kind of secondary to how are you tr- how are you at actually like running to like being a people per like actually like running a group actually of caring and for your group of people caring. and players yes yeah bingo because because that's year, obviously been the biggest issue for them this season where it was like in the off season all of the trade or sorry the off season losses like stetcher to foley you know coming out and saying oh we're gonna try and get something done with these guys and then it comes out after the fact that they didn't even didn't even call them a contract chris like, Tannen, guy who's been here for 10 years didn't even call him yeah Un- like like that adds up yeah, didn't even you didn't call like and Sean Mathias was on Pucks on Net talking about the same thing like how he just didn't even get a call like they didn't talk to him but they yeah. said they did which is and that's literally there are so many things with the way this organization is run nowadays where it's stunning just how not even it's not even about the fact that they're bad at their jobs so much as it's the fact that they are bad at being like seem well seemingly bad at being good people like in terms of and actually caring for their employees like letting like totally being willing to let the nhl take their players and run them into the ground after a covid after a covid outbreak instead of standing up for them jt miller had to do that for them had to go into the media and publicly say hey this is bullshit basically For them to do it. And they didn't actually do anything. The league ended up having to step in to like actually be like, okay, we'll 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 give you some extra time, sort of thing, right? If he yeah. doesn't do that, they ha- they're forced to play because the the and like management is like, oh, this is great, this is great. The, the, like they're they're ready to go and everything. No, they weren't. You were not paying attention. Uh there's been yeah. very little co- like Ian McIntyre was talking about how this has been the worst communication the team has had ever in a with that with every with people like they're not communicating which you cannot do which you cannot have problem issues with um it's just like you go down the list of all of the things that they have done in terms of actually like just doing a terrible job and treating the players like they're like they don't matter like they're just like they're commodities yeah. Like the like the trading away all the like letting all those guys those free agents go I understand that it's a business but there's a huge difference between letting got not being able to re-sign players because of cap things and just not calling them or decide or looking at some new shiny thing like oliver ekman larson and deciding that's how you want to devote your time or even worse doing all those things and then lying about it and then publicly lying about it to people saying we ran out of time you didn't call them that's not running out of time that's not giving a shit like yeah. that's not that's a huge that's a bold faced lie. Yeah. And we've seen that from them this year. Like refusal to admit when they're wrong. Like it's someone else's fault every single time. It, yes. Benning it's had never the one there. press conference. It's never theirs. It's never my it's never Jim Benning's fault. It when he no. when you ask him, it's always somebody else's. I cannot wait for to for tomorrow or the next day when I find out when he comes to me, it's like, oh, it's injuries, it's COVID. No. It's you no, built you. a terrible team. You yeah. built a bad team that had one really major injury to Elias Pettersson, sure. 
But oh, you overall, were your team then. stayed relatively healthy. You were already out of it before he was out. He was out yeah. of the lineup. You surrounded them with crap. And yes. now you're going to get another look at it. You're going to get another year, which, frankly, is a, is actually not true. He's not going to get a year. He will be gone. No, he'll be, he'll be canned after the first losing streak of next month. year. He'll be, yeah, he'll be gone in month one. Yeah. Because literally, let's be honest, everybody who goes to those games for the first months is going to be just yelling fire Benning the entire game. Like, Especially absolutely. when they need to rebuild their team with less than $15 million in cap space. Which is... Like, good fucking them, luck. <laughs> and they only have themselves to blame for that because they... But it won't be their fault. It'll be the flat deal. cap because of COVID. It's that fault. It's that... It's COVID's yeah. fault. It's not theirs. They're the only team affected by COVID. Like, it's the same excuses that were in that earlier press conference where it's it's all these things every, that affect every NHL team. Same thing but somehow it's the it's the only issue affecting them. It'll be depth. It'll be... Oh, the kids didn't take the the steps we were hoping to see from them, which is bullshit because the only kids that really stepped in the lineup were Rathbone and Hoglander, and they were your best players at times. Yeah. Like yep. the the only excuse, like if he came out in these uh like you know, the final media availabilities of the year and he was like, you know what? We made some bad calls. We invested a lot of money in players we thought were going to make the difference for us and it was the wrong calls that's on me as a gm to identify which players are going to take the next step and unfortunately i made the wrong calls maybe he salvaged like saves face a bit but this is an organization like you said that has a track record now a history of treating players like shit after they leave the organization or yeah kicking after them they out on their way out down. the door so like mind-boggling Let's go back. Um, one of the first ones that at least I can remember. I know there's I know there's more before this, but this is the one that kind of like set off the alarm bells for me like a while ago, which was the team signed Sam Gagne from the Columbus Blue Jackets to his three year, three million dollar contract. He played one season and then the team immediately soured on him because he wasn't producing like he did in Columbus. Everyone at the time knew he was producing in Columbus because he played a very niche role as a fourth line grinder with power play time because he was a power play specialist who could produce in very specific situations. The team didn't deploy him like that. They deployed him like a shutdown center. He was very bad at it. And in the following off season, they said, we are sending you down to the AHL, but because we respect you, we're going to send you to the Toronto Marlies to be a mentor to their farm team instead of our own. So there's two issues here. One, they couldn't just man up and send them to their own farm team and mentor the Canucks prospects, which would have been actually valuable because in 2018-19, the Canucks had zero center prospects. They were awful at center in 2018-19 and were one of the worst AHL teams in the entire league. They were absolute dog shit. They could have used the Sam Gagne to help that out a bit. And then after that, they have a player like Sven Berchi, who has a pretty decent season, overcomes a concussion, gets signed to a three-year, three points, I think two, six, six, seven million dollar contract. He plays a good season, still more concussion issues. Then he has post-concussion symptoms in the next season. And what do they do? They send him to the minors and they say, 
you're no good. You're no longer an NHL player. We can't trade you because your contract sucks. We put you on unconditional waivers. Nobody wanted you. You're a dead asset to us. Good luck. What do they do? At the same time, they signed Michael Furlan to a fucking four-year deal. Like three months, not even like a few months after he goes on this giant rant in the Carolina media saying, I'm pretty, I'm very concerned about my health because of concussions. Yeah. I have to think about the long-term health of my career. And they signed him to an extra year that no one else was going to give him to an extra couple million dollars that no one else wanted to sign for him or sign him to. And sure enough, he has concussion issues in the first season. He's just as useless and as ineffective to the Canucks lineup as Sivan Berchi is. But now they've burnt the bridge and basically killed any kind of relationship they have with uh, like free agents in the market because they know if you have a bad season, they're going to can you to the minors instantly and replace you with the exact same player who they think is going to replace what you were supposed to bring. For the exact same dollar term. And they're not going to buy you out, even though that would be yes a smarter thing to do, because not only would you cut them off your books, they would also be, hey, free to go sign somewhere else that will give yes. them an opportunity. But no, they but let nope, these things fester. We're going dest- to destroy your – we're going to end your NHL career before it yeah. – right now. Like, it's – Especially I get, the like, Berchie thing, too. Like, because of – like the way they ended it, like you said, like they're going to bury his career because it wasn't so much that they put him on undraft, like un, uh, like unconditional waivers. They then do media and say we tried to get rid of him for free and nobody wanted him. They like they had no like, reason to, but they oh my put him on. They just do they just bury like the guy whole... and and piss on his grave. They did that like for lit- every guy basically. J- Jim Benning. Is, like I'll say this for like I'll say for Jim Benning he's he oh my God well actually I can't even say that because he lies all the time like it's, yes. he he yes. whenever he decides to say the truth it is just the <laughs> yeah. worst thing you could do and again yeah. we talked about this during the trade deadline where I am like very convinced at this point that he routinely talks himself out of returns to play other t- to other teams because he'll just be like oh this player's here, can you just get rid of this guy for us, sort of thing? Or sure. he'll like, or he'll be like, "Well, he's not that like like he'll talk himself out of deals by just being too honest with the other teams." And or he's them... like, "I wouldn't give this up for that player," and so yeah, he convinces himself he needs to pay like like the Eric Goodbranson deal, for example. Like, why was he giving up a fourth round pick? He had what? no reason to give up an extra pick, a player, no. a second mm-hmm. rounder, and a fourth. For just a, a goon and a fifth round pick in return. Like, like well, you said, like, he's just talking himself into and again, these deals. And Erica Branson was another player, much like Sam Gagne, where if you actually put him in a position that he in to play a style of play that he's more comfortable with, he might have done maybe he wouldn't have done super well, because he's not that great a defenseman, but he wasn't that like he's not that good. But yeah. They also completely didn't help by deciding that he's going to be the gritty stay-at-home <laughs> defenseman, even though he's this gonna replace was Andy. not his thing. He was a scoring <laughs> defenseman in Florida. That was his whole thing. Is and that he, he could got barely do points. it. <laughs> yeah, that he got points for the Panthers. That was, and he liked clearly liked being an offensive defenseman rather than 
the back even though he wasn't really that tyler myers is the (laughs) even though he was like he wasn't that good at it but it's another case of a guy do of taking a player who is uh and trying to completely turn them into something they're not yeah. Tyler Myers is the same Nikita, thing. Nikita Trampkin. They, Nikita like, Trampkin. Like, they showed him videos of Sedano Chara because he's tall. Even yeah, though that's, that's not never what he was. Even though yeah. that the, the style of play that Sedano Chara is is yeah. never what Nikita Trampkin played. Yeah. Play like, like that's just, We didn't even talk about Trampkin's contract, I think, once on this show no, this year. We, we don't, like that that's good. I don't ever want to talk about Trampkin. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, um, but, like, it's... Yeah, the it's, player, player communication is... It's, so it's the player communication is bad. And now the constantly, they, they they constantly like uh favor other players from other teams over and value them over their own players. Yes, which is yes. completely awful management. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, you mentioned the coaches. Now supposedly the coaching thing has is supposedly Jim Benning wants Travis Green to come back and wants the coaches to come back. Supposedly, I I don't buy either it way. I don't. I don't know whether to buy it either, but at the same time, it's like, again, this is another case of ownership. Like, why? What happened? Like, Travis Green put as much, uh, did as much with this roster as he could. And he has for the last four years that he's been here. Is it four or three? He's been here a while. He's been here for a while now. He's been here for at least, I think this is fourth season this year. This was was year four, but he's, he's been here a while. And he's done what he—he's clearly gotten the team to get better. He, yes. The team has clearly done better than it expected under him. I think he was a—he had they made the playoffs as normal last year, he would have been a candidate for the for the uh, for the uh, co- for coach of the year. I don't know why I'm blanking on the uh, the, the name Jack of Adams that trophy right now. Thank you, Jack yes, Adams. The Jack Adams. He would have been a Jack Adams candidate last season had the 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 had the team made the playoffs in the pandemic not gotten in the way right if, um, they, if they got there if the pa- pandemic hadn't gotten in the way there's a very reasonable argument you can make that they weren't going to make it with the way they were playing in the final stretch sure but uh that's also fair um but all but at the same time like he did the best he could with he's done the very very best he could with those groups like that playoff they don't go to game seven against the golden knights they don't make it through yeah. the wild and the Blues without great coaching from Travis Green. Sometimes you don't see great coaching. Like, there are some teams that can kind of coach themselves a little bit, if you know what I mean. Like, I would say Boston and, like, Bruce Cassidy are a really good example of that, where, like, Bruce Cassidy is a decent coach, but he's, like, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. I doubt he has to do a whole lot of, like, adjust like adjustments on the fly sort of thing because they're a team that's right. built a culture that's built a pretty good locker room, and they're kind of a self-sustaining group, right? Um, Colorado, kind of the same thing. I think you could put, I think you could put a lot of teams in that. There's a lot of teams at the top that are routinely at the top that I think you could put in that group. I think Pittsburgh's another one. Washington. No, Washington's a little different, but you know what? Sorry. Washington's a bit different, but like Pittsburgh for sure. It's, it's like an issue like where it's like, okay, they got like a core of group that know what they're supposed to do. So you can trust them to know, to know that what, what system the coach wants them to deploy. And you know that when the new players come in, that that yeah. that the core is going to help them adjust and is going to and buy in make and and help them buy in yes exactly yes. and that's what Here, that's Travis and, Green's basically done the last four years though is he's basically yeah. created like you know say what you will he's, about like you know like how aggressive they are here. and you know maybe how defensively porous they are at times and 
you can obviously chalk that up to like the fact that maybe the players that Jim Benning's acquired just aren't that good to begin with to be playing the types of systems that Travis Green wants to employ with his group. But they buy in. They bought in against that Vegas series and they broke their brains and it looks to be carrying over into this playoff series against the Minnesota Wild, which is super That's interesting. Right. But hell yeah. But I I to touch base on like the whole lame duck coach thing, do you remember last season before the JT Miller trade? Uh, so sorry, last last season when he was heading into the the draft in Vancouver. And everyone was like, oh, it's kind of cruel to have Jim Benning running this draft as a lame duck GM. What happens? He makes the JT Miller trade. And then Francesco, basically, they announce, oh, he's been signed to a, th- or Jim Benning's been re-signed to a two-year, three-year deal. So he knows, the ownership knows as well, that being a lame duck person in management, in coaching, is a dog shit feeling dog shit position to be in if you're one of those people here they are less than a year and a half later this coach that has basically made chicken salad out of chicken shit year after year gets them to playoffs nearly gets them to the western conference finals is a lame duck season in one of the worst worst years imaginable not even in terms of on ice performance but just what they had to go through as a team the covid outbreaks the shakeups to the core thanks to ownerships you know reluctance to spend money or allow buyouts that would like allow them to improve their team or retain the core that made them a contender in the playoffs to let that guy basically sit in front of the media answer all of their questions about Jake for about the COVID outbreak about scheduling about being a lame duck coach every single night. When just two years ago, Jim Benning was in the exact same position, having, you know, sympathy poured on him for being a lame duck GM. That is pure cowardice from both yep. Jim, John Weisbrod and Francesco Aquilini. And here they are. It's not even just Travis green. You have, Ian Clark, one of the, oh, like, the reasons that I, I Thatcher Demko is basically, you know, he's praising him in the media in the final game of availability saying, like, please, desperate to bring this guy back. I'll let you go in on this yeah. because I know you're the goalie. Yes. Guy. Yeah. So thank you. This is this is my time to shine right here because <laughs> look, this and this is also I mean, this is also a friend of the show, David Quadrelli's time to shine because he's also a big goalie guy. And he taught, and he did uh, an article in Canucks Army, basically talking about um, yeah, why a good piece. they absolute a great piece on how they need to resign Ian on how they why they, it's so important that they resign Ian Clark and Thatcher Demko. Again, this is and this is rare in the NHL. You don't see this a lot. Where literally the goalie again, a goalie who just signed a five year contract, a five year contract extension with the team, is literally publicly begging. For them to re-sign Ian Clark and bring him back and try and make bring him back. Uh, this is the quote. This is quotes from Daniel Wagner's piece about it. Uh, and in uh, Vancouver is awesome. Uh, this is this is the full quote. Clarky is unbelievable. I owe probably just about everything to him. Obviously, I'm putting in the work, but the way he's guided me and mentored me, it's been amazing. I uh, I desperately hope that they can figure something out and have him return. Um. Well, so. Actually, and there was an Ian McIntyre version 
Uh, that said, I hope that he can, they can figure something out and have him return. Uh, Thatcher Demko's mom uh, on Twitter, <laughs> Danielle Demko, she yeah. she quoted you as like, you forgot to add desperately once. <laughs> and yes. Yeah, and shout out to goalie moms everywhere because that is tr- like that is that's such goalie mom energy. Like I I saw so much of my own mom in that when I was playing in like minor hockey and everything. That was very much my mom's energy, always trying to get me goalie coaches for teams that were just not interested in finding one um, uh, for anybody because they just think the goalies are fine and will do what they can. Right. Um. But oh my god, like. If, if he's not already out the door now, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are they... How have you not given these coaches a job? Like, you're out here, again, like, investing money in all of these other things. And, like, like it's very clear that the, the ownership group is spending money in other places. And... Yeah. But then... But when it comes to coaches, nope. Mm, nope. Yeah. Mm, purse... Nah. I need to tighten the purse strings here a little bit. Because, uh, Lord knows that, uh well-coached team doesn't make you money definitely not like that no def- certainly like, not th- that's the thing that baffles me about all of this at the end of the day is the fact of you know like uh, yeah i get it's a pandemic i get that money is tighter now than usual i get that you are not bringing in income from fans buying tickets and, and buying a lot of souvenirs and all of the other things that come with uh, a regular nhl season but you know what helps bring you like pays the bills later on winning having winning. a good team a good winning. foundation with great players and a well-built roster that wins a bunch of hockey games yeah like weird, right weird how that works it's amazing <laughs> and if you yeah. don't and if that's not what you want to do if you're not willing to if you're not willing to actually spend the money to create a winner then stop telling me that you do then stop telling me that you want to win a championship because clearly you don't like clearly you don't want to win a cup um i mean and i've said it before as long as jim benning is in charge of this team as long as uh i think as long as jim benning is run is the gm of the vancouver canucks mark my words they will never win a stanley cup never like no they will never they will fully waste the prime years of elias petterson of brock besser of Bo Horvat, who, by the way, has already played 500 games and is going to be 27 oh next season. God. Don't forget is about that. Is he really that. 27? I believe he's going to be 27 next year. That is, if I, if I'm, unless no. I'm mistaken. Oh my God, he is. That is. Yep. Yep. He's played 500 games. NHL games. He is halfway Oof. to a thousand. To a God thousand. Damn. Uh, Quinn Hughes, same diff. Vasily Colson hasn't played an NHL game yet, but he's not touching a cup if Benning's, if Benning's here for the, for the full years of his prime. You will never win with that. You will never win with him around. Plain and simple. It is, yeah. you will never win with him. You will never win without a president in charge of the team because that's where a whole lack of communication comes in. Again, like we could be spending like hours on this because of the fact that literally yeah. there are so much top to bottom errors and mistakes and just clearly like bad, awful, poorly run hockey team that frankly refuses to listen to anyone else. Like they, yeah. they, this problem has clearly come from, I think I people who think that only they know best and that refuses to listen to anyone but themselves. That is Jim well, Benning's MO. That's John Weisbrod's MO. That's yeah. from, that's the Aquilini's MO. They don't that's... listen to anyone else, including their paying customers, and they don't listen 
and they don't listen to people like Trevor Linden who say maybe you should wait. A few, maybe we should uh, be patient here instead yeah. of trying to win. Right Let's not try to accelerate this thing. Can't, and then they can him. Not that I think necessarily he was going to be the difference maker anyways. No. But I'm saying that the second somebody disagrees with you, you kick them out the door is never gets you anywhere. Well, never. why don't we why don't we talk about the solution that they that the ownership group has basically attempted to placate the the fan base oh, yes. as as this if gonna... it would somehow I don't know, solve any of their problems when it comes to the issues that you're addressing, which include the fact that anyone who basically voices a differing opinion to a small group of managers is going to be the odd man out. It's why Jim Benning has got his way with Aquilini because he says yes to Aquilini and the only other person that in that management group who has a say is his best buddy, John Weisbrod, who's just going to agree with everything that Jim wants. Therefore they carry the majority on most all decisions. Trevor Linden realized this. And when he tried to, you know, do something about it and delay the, the rushed back to contention, they canned him. So what's the solution for the Aquilinis now that, you know, people are starting to wise up to the way they run things they're going to hire the Sedins. They have zero experience in hockey operations, but the rumor was floated out by Darren Dreger, and it's pretty much confirmed now that like uh, ownership is in talks with the Sedins to basically come in in some kind of senior advisor capacity, possibly in an operations role. They're, they're not too clear about that. But the idea is that the Sedins would sit in on the exit interviews and would work alongside Jim Benning because they obviously played for Jim Benning. They saw how the team functioned for four of their seven years as GMs. Um, gut, gut reaction to this was senior advisors, whatever, sure. But hiring them as a save face maneuver is just more cowardice from a management and ownership group that have shown nothing but cowardice the past seven years. Why do they keep doing this? In years. When was the last time you heard him in an actual interview? I think it was literally when they hired Linden. That's it. Yep. Eugene Melnick may suck as an owner for the senators, but at least he shows up on the radio every now and then to say silly things. Like, (laughs) I'll take shows that over <laughs> or shows up on a cruise. We don't even have time to get into that whole fiasco yeah. today. Um, yeah. But like, at least you hear from Eugene Melnick every now and then, even if it is just to say the most ridiculous things. Yeah. Like literally Aquilini has gone AWOL aside from the, the occasional tweet for the last, for the last seven years. You Still never hear from me. My questions. I just want a goddamn chicken parm recipe, and this motherfucker keeps leaving me on red. It's it's a- very disappointing. Absolutely. And, weird, and and the whole th- and I will and again we go back to the whole poor management thing. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's I I, I just want to say I think it's very hilarious that uh, supposedly the organization wants the Sedins to work alongside a guy who routinely who routinely used them as scapegoats for why the team didn't rebuild faster. Yes. Routinely said, it's... we were trying to win with the Sedins. No, like... No, you weren't. So, it, so you're blaming... You so in other it words, it's... Job. Uh-huh, so it's, so it's their fault that uh, yeah. you started a rebuild late. Uh-huh, mm, yeah. that's... That, that, and, and, that now want, and now they want to work on... Year? 
Not, where they yeah, were like, they're like, we wanted to rebuild, but those damn pesky Sedin contracts <laughs> ruined everything. Those damn meddling Sedins and their pesky seven million dollar contracts. Yeah, let's let's make the Sedins. Yeah, again, let's make yeah. the Sedins work not work with less power to a person who routinely blame use them. them as blame that basically blame literally them blame them. Like we okay so for why they didn't for why they weren't farther ahead in a rebuild. Like let let me mind boggling. Like, let me let me roll it back a bit. The fact that. Jim Benning survived blaming two of the most beloved franchise players of all time and their contracts that were completely deserved for the reasons why he couldn't ice a better hockey team is should have been fireable. He should have been fired on the spot. And the fact that the fan base did nothing didn't even voice a word blows my mind because I remember seeing that and being like, are you kidding me? Anyways, completely, complete yeah. aside. I'm the Sedin bending marriage is going to be a disaster. I, I don't think they're gonna get anything out of this. At least I respect it's, Jeff Courtnall for basically saying, I mean, I don't respect Jeff Courtnall, but I respect him for being like, yeah, I don't have any hockey experience, but Hey, I'd love to have a, uh, a six-figure career as a senior advisor for the Canucks. Yeah, yeah. He said he could do special advising. He do special advisor role stuff, but yeah, like, so can I? He wouldn't do. But he said he wasn't qualified for like GM president work. Which, yeah. Hey, good for but it's very funny. for publicly knowing that that's a that for for publicly saying that. Yeah, that's it's, a good it's thing awesome that he because says it, that. it's like um, it's like whenever like a job post gets posted on Twitter and it's like something like outrageous like you need 20 years of experience and people like say they apply and it's like the same thing where 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 it's like jeff court and i was like yeah i'm not experienced but i would love to make six figures to tell people that this is bad this is yep. good this is also bad like yep. any person me and you should apply for the same job court and i was applying for because it well, sounds like a killer gig we'll see we can't because we're not former canucks that's Ooh, the, that's, that's true the, we're not from the 94 the that's the the one prerequisite of this Damn. is you have to be a former Vancouver Canuck of some era. And that's yeah. the whole thing. That's the, the proof is in the pudding. They don't want what they're doing here. If like, as much as I love the Sedins and as much as you like former 94 players and 2011 guys and what have you like the there, and they're talking about this like player council thing or whatever of people yeah that won't that is very clearly you that is pr crap uh pr way of saying we don't care we don't want to fix anything there is nothing here actually worth our time to fix which is crazy because literally there is so much wrong with your team right now on so many levels that you're probably going to lose players who never want to come back to your organization again and you are going to not get any better for it this is yeah. not going to help you in any way shape no. or form you need to hire an actual president, someone with actual hockey ops experience to be the proper buffer between you, between ownership and the general manager and be the person who sometimes says, all right, we need to let the GM go because they're not good at their job. This is what they need. They don't have that right now. They have... Jim Benning doing the work of both and not doing either of them well and hiring the Sedins to be a special advisor is not going to fix that. 
it's not going to help anything no. because Jim Bennett, because this, you can, because that's the thing, right? You can advise as much as you like. Doesn't mean they're going to listen to you. They could just complete, they could flat out ignore, flat out ignore them. Yeah. Jim Benning and John Weisbrod very easily could just ignore whatever Daniel and Henrik tell them. And you know who, you know who was advising over the last few seasons? Trevor Linden, Judd Brackett, Lawrence Gilman, uh, Lauren Hennig, all of them gone. All progressive, forward-thinking people that are responsible for the team having as much success as they've had over the last 10 years. And they were all gone because Jim Benning has a way that he wants to run a team. John Weisbrod agrees with him. So a player council, I mean, great. You could have 50 players, former players, sitting in a circle and being like, hey, Jim, this is a stupid idea. But he still has the final say. So it doesn't fucking yeah. matter. Sadines can be yeah. like, oh, hey, uh, you know what we didn't like was you signing uh, uh, a bottom four center to a four-year $5.875 million contract with a retroactive no-move clause, and he couldn't skate. Um, that was bad. Don't do that again. Like, You'd be like, be like, I need my nah. foundation. I need my foundation. Yeah. God damn it. But yeah. anyways, That's, so that brings us yeah. to – that kind of brings us to like the next section, which is – like bending adjacent which is how do they make this worse because we know that the cap situation they have to sign Pedersen Hughes we're not going to get into those contracts because it's just going to take too long but on top of that they're going to have there'll be more yeah exactly we'll probably get into that more after the expansion draft and the Canucks lineup is a bit more cemented but the Canucks have like a bunch of issues ahead of themselves where I mean we looked at the the sea of Grandland over this past season, and I think Jeff Pat, Jeff Patterson had this tweet where he was like the VC where he was like uh, over the past uh, five games or ten games or whatever it is like the bottom six combined for like two shots on goal, like oh it was something pathetic. So it's like here's yeah. the here's the list: Jay Beagle five points, Jace Howerluck five points, Matthew Highmore five points, Jake Vertanen five points. Antoine you don't need to go through the whole list, but yes, we get but the idea. Basically, the we idea is talk- we know all of these about. players that have made their debuts in this season have not produced in the slightest over a long, long stretch of period. Travis Boyd has two points in 19 games. Jimmy VC has three assists in 20. Like, they need to... We've always said like they need to overhaul their bottom six. They need to get faster, younger, more dynamic offensively. There's rumors out there that Jay Beagle might not return because of a injury concern. Brandon Sutter's a UFA. There's no telling what they're going to do with him. People say they might bring him back, which is like a like laughable at my at my opinion. Like, sure, do it, whatever. But it'll just be very funny that after a season like this, their solutions to everything is just go back to what they know instead of try something different and better. Uh, Will Lockwood, yep. for my money's worth, I think he might have secured himself a roster spot. He got some pretty good oh, wins wow, really? in his only two games. I, I think he looked good. I think if he gets if he gets on a line that isn't Travis Boyd and Jimmy VC, but like an actual what? bottom six line, I think he can actually do something valuable for the team. I thought today was his first NHL game. I thought Will Lockwood's first game was today. I it, it was the second uh, game. He uh, debuted oh, okay. on uh, uh, yesterday's game. And he looked fine. Uh, he he oh, right. looked. My he fault. skated right, his yeah. wheels Sorry. off. My bad. He picked up like two minutes of penalty. Hey, who cares? <laughs> yeah, who it cares? really I'm... doesn't matter. Like Jonah Gadjevich, he played one game. He got in a fight, and I I have to do the mm. math or like the 
the research into this, but I swear to God, there is a history of Canucks prospects making their debut, getting into a fight, and then Travis Green benching them for the rest of the game. And I think he did it with Zach McEwen. I mean, he did it with Gadjevich, and then Gadjevich, for whatever reason, didn't get in either of the final two games of the year. I have no idea why. He was completely I fine. Mean, I... I mean, I mean, maybe it's because maybe it's just him trying to tell them, "Hey, you're, a, hey, young rookie, please don't get your brain smashed in on the first." Possibly, game. like may, uh, and that's like just he's doing being, them a favor. like overly uh, over. Yeah, he's doing them a favor. Um, <laughs> I guess out of like on this team, worth like in terms of the guys who I would consider bringing back, um, Tyler Grayback's a guy who I think in the last few games actually showed some wheels. He showed that he has some potential value. Um, well, I wouldn't relative wheels. It. He's very, very slow. Admittedly. Yeah. Admittedly, I, I, but I, think I, for like... I want him back purely for his, his uh, intermission interviews because he is so chipper and honest about his like NHL career. He's basically just like, Hey, I'm here, you know, living it, loving it every day. Now every day is a it. gift. There's that. no way. The like, Hey, I'm the all slowest aboard guy. The, all aboard the gravy boat. Let's go. Yeah, the gravy boat. Like, I'm down. I, I joked, um, yeah. I think to Wyatt aren't, I was like, give me a, a fourth line of Daniel Henrik and uh, Tyler Grayovac because Hell the yeah. Sedins at, at their age right now are probably better than this laundry list of players who've provided nothing. Yeah. Like Mark Michaelis, yeah. zero points, 15 games. I know he was like a Oof. NCAA signing and they thought like his speed would add something, but I could not tell and- you a single thing he did. The only thing oh, I know I about Mark Michaelis, lineup, yeah. yeah, the only thing I know is that he wore number 56, and because he was a smaller guy, sometimes I would always think, wow, Niels Hoglander's playing a lot tonight, but it was just Mark Michaelis out there and not Niels Hoglander. So it was always very confusing to me. <laughs> maybe but it's like, good that you confused him with Hoglander? I don't know. Yeah, maybe, is that maybe right that, side, maybe? Maybe that would confuse, like... Uh, like Jim Betting, he's like, oh yeah, Mark Michaelis, like he scored a lot for us. He tried a couple Michigan goals and looked oh, really good. No. That's <laughs> like when like, I play, that's uh, like when I played in minor hockey and uh, two of us had the same jersey number, so I kept getting credited, even though I was the goalie. I kept getting credited with goals that I didn't score. Yeah. That's it was that great. Rocks. I was like, I, and I'd go to the guy and I'd be like, bro, you didn't get me any goals tonight. What the hell? My my stat line is <laughs> suffering. You're yeah, kidding. it was. Literally, I would literally so many score sheets with my name on the on the the goal in the goals tally when I'm in that net rocks. or I'm like on the bench and haven't played a minute. Um, I guess yeah. So uh, I look at Grayovac as a guy. I mean, VC's gone. I don't think VC's coming oh, yeah. back. Boyd's gone. I don't think he's. Co- I, I and I'll say I don't think he would come back even if they offered him a contract. I don't. Wh- no. I'm saying I don't think they will. But I don't. I. I don't. Even if they did, I don't think he'd be he, interested. He looked so checked out after like the first five games. I don't know what it was. Like he looked. He came in. He had like power play time and looked all right with Miller. And then I don't know what happened. Suddenly I mean, something clicked, be- and VC was just like, "Fuck all of this," and he looked completely checked out. Well, he did get kind of get sick within like two games of him being there with COVID. So sure, it, yeah, that kind of like, I think like that might sour your experience on a team real quick. Sure, um, like that would have been pretty tough. Like Travis Boyd, like he he got picked up on waivers and then he like waited two weeks to play, and then like when he was ready to come back, they went on the COVID break. Got sick, <laughs> but he looked and all right. He, like, but I just don't think he's like a. He's just another Marcus Granlund, right? He's just not going to do anything bit, for yeah. you. 
Um, and like, I think Jace Howerluck. I really like Jace Howerluck. I and I, 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 I joked. Uh, I, j- I made a joke about uh, Drance uh, talking too much about how elite Howerluck is um, on Twitter recently. Elite Jace Howerluck. Yeah. Um, but no, I actually wouldn't mind him coming if you put him on a fourth line on a on a. De- he would make a decent player for the fourth line on lots of teams like he's not he's not too he's not a huge liability in his own end he's relatively consistent he doesn't make he gets offensive results with a little with very little ice time he forechecks um, well he's got good speed yeah i, I can see him he's bringing actually him back. a decent he's a decent bargain piece like he is the kind yeah. of guy that uh champ that cup teams look for in the same like look for to fill out that bottom player who are cheap and can just do the role for a year or two yeah but yeah if they could the question is like of course can they re-sign some of these guys to sub million dollar contracts i think i think howard looks like and after this mass mess of the year like yeah like they don't they don't have the dollars to spend right it's gonna be like they're gonna be looking like ken william lockwood be the Jace Howerluck replacement because we can't afford to bring back Jace Howerluck, right? And, Zach McEwen's got if, a second year, a second year on his deal. He really had an awful year, but you can't afford to bring back Travis Boyd or Tyler Grayback. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of like the the mindset they're in is like they have to make do with what they have. Like Matthew Highmore has a second year on his deal, so he's back guaranteed. Even yeah. though he's might not he's be as RFA. effective as Tyler Grayback, but that second year like almost guarantees he's coming back. And even let's and honestly, let's 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 not kid ourselves here. Even if they even if they did have the money to bring them back, like if yeah. you're one of these guys who went through the the hell that this year was, like every team dealt with some sort of with co- some sort of adversity either from COVID or what have you. The Canucks right. dealt with it at clearly the worst possible degree outside of maybe Buffalo. Well, actually, yeah. even then, I would just say Buffalo suffered or from New an Jersey on-ice or perspective. But they all just suffered from an on-ice perspective. The Canucks suffered from a clearly off-ice perspective, too, in so many ways. Where clearly, yeah. with the players, and we talked about it. If you get the same offer from the Canucks, and from, if you get like the same exact contract offer from another NHL team or and the Canucks, after the yeah. year that they had, are you going to take the Canucks contract? If they're yeah. both offering the same amount of money in the same term, I would say no. I would say most players would say no. Yeah. I think they would go somewhere else because they're like, no, you got you completely were willing to throw us to the wolves uh, during a during, after we all got really really sick. You were yeah. gonna, you and and didn't tell us about it. You didn't talk and you left. You kind of just hung us out to dry all year. Like yeah, like the, why the, why, the why on earth would trust. I come back and play for and re-sign with you? Yeah, like the trust between like the players and like the management group, especially like if their coach is gone. Like, I mean, like I think Quinn Hughes and JT Miller are both like, yeah, Travis Green's been really great for our development. Uh, we've had like really good performances under him. Like, hopefully he can come back. Like, I don't know if I'm if I'm Jace Howard, like, yeah, and I saw this management group like run an operation that had the worst COVID outbreak in all of North American sports. Uh, also ditches their head coach that everyone else respects and likes and saw the core as well, like just yeah. disappear because of cheap ownership. I don't know if I'm really inkling to come back. You know, obviously with the flat cap, there's going to be a very limited amount of contracts being handed out in general, but 
I mean, yeah, it's like you this raise is, a good point. Like, is, why would you want to subject yourself to like a year that might be a, another nightmare, another repeat of an awful, awful year? This is That's the other. This is yeah. This is the other, um, like the other bad part about running a team poorly is yeah. and doing such a bad job of it is that now in a year where you're cap where you're already cap strapped, chances are. Players are not going to want to sign with you with a, unless it's at a premium price. So yeah. you're, because they're because all of the <laughs> NHL, all the NHL has seen what's going on and probably yeah. knows more details than any of us. Yes, do. like every exactly. player in the league is probably far more in tune than any uh, yeah. any of us in the media are. And like all and all of they, these guys talk to each other too, right? Like they all play. Yeah. They've all played oh, with each other fast, right? Like they've. Like they all get traded around, so they're all part of like group chats and whatever. Like, yeah, the on ice, like they seem like heated and whatever. But at the end of the day, like half of these guys like go have dinner with each other at their houses, like before games and after games. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like so they know. We've already seen like people talking about like uh, sources from other league teams saying how stunned or like shocked they are that Benning's get coming back and and how pissed the players are and how pissed the players are. The players, the players are pissed. Like. This is like well, lots of apparently players are request might request trade. There might be trade requests this year. Like um, we're, I mean, we don't have any intel. Um, No, the names, but a couple good sources. Nate Nate Schmidt and JT Miller are being thrown out there. Whether or not that ends up, and again, they're under contract, so they could just end up going nowhere. Yeah, but they don't. But the fact that the ideas are out there is like, but it's that doesn't bode well. It's and it's that idea of like if the if player if any of your best players were UFAs this year, do you think they're coming back? No, nope, definitely not. Like if Pedersen and Hughes were not were UFAs instead of RFAs, do you think they're coming back to the Canucks? I don't. I I don't. I wouldn't. If I were them, I would not. I wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole. I'm like, nope. I will go. Uh oh, I will go literally to like Arizona or like. The New York Islanders, like in terms of like, what is like the, what is like the least favorable place to play in terms of where you're like, like where you'd want to, like, I will go anywhere else than, than come back here. But Um, Kyle Connor just scored an empty netter and uh, made it three, one for uh, Winnipeg. (laughs) Wait, what is it? Wait, pardon me. Oh my God. Three, one Winnipeg games, like pretty much over. (laughs) Oh my god! Uh, Hell yeah, Edmonton. Edmonton again, Mike Smith. God, there is God. I'm so, I'm so pissed that we have to talk about the Canucks all day today. I know it's our yeah, show. Like wanna... we could, we don't have to, but we should no, because this is, this is let's, with, this let's is this is the day to with, do that. Let's end with some positivity because it's it's yeah. running a little long. Let's end with our year end awards. We didn't even yes. like set any names, but we're just gonna rattle off like a couple of random ones because we're they're funny. So for you, most exciting player, probably pretty simple. Who the who the choice is? Oh, they just scored another empty netter. <laughs> oh, Edmonton, what are you doing? They're like they're being the Edmonton Oilers. I cannot. That's awesome. I cannot believe they just. Oh, Edmonton. Yeah, that's oh awesome. my god. Four one. First, first game. Literally, I was listening. Uh, not to plug another show, but like I was listening to Puck Soup today uh, <gasps> at work, and one of the things they were talking about is like the hockey gods aren't going to let you have 
Matthews versus McDavid, are they? Like, they're just not going to do that. And I was like, no, this is... Act- I'm like, nah, this is the era, like, it's just impossible to avoid. Like, it's just... like There's <laughs> no amount of meddling the hockey gods could do to frick- to break that. Nope, never mind. Three to four to four to one Winnipeg. It's going to be the... It's, <laughs> oh it is, every, everyone was talking about McDavid versus Matthews, but no one ever thought to think that it was going to be Toffoli versus Shifley. To Foley versus. Can you imagine I might... if Montreal beats like Toronto? Like how amazing like, that would be. Okay, here would here's be my very pitch. Funny. Yes. Let's do okay, year, let's do let's let's do year end year awards. awards. Um, we'll do like a couple and then we'll uh we'll close it out. But like most exciting player, Niels Hoglander. There's no way it's anything else, right? Yes, Niels yeah. Hoglander. Your boy. My uh, well, he's be- yeah, he's well, it's he's funny your boy that, now. Funny that he's it's funny son. that yeah. It's funny that he that I become that uh, he's my boy considering I'm the goalie guy, but yeah, that is true. just because um, I I hey I wrote an article again. This got completely like it did. I I mean it seemed to do very well in terms of like engagement and everything, but it it yeah. it, it clearly it clearly fell a little under the radar once all the other Canucks news started coming out. But um hey my Botchford project article came out about Nils Hoaglander. Uh, through the eyes of his teammates and coaches. And I got to talk. And uh, yeah, Hoaglander was the bright spot on the season for the player, for the from the on-ice perspective. And that's not at a that's not uh, a dig at Brock Besser, who also had a very good year, and I could say arguably equally deserving. Uh, he did a very, he had a great year, had to really kind of carry the team on his back offensively for a lot of the year because of Pedersen's injuries and everything. But... Hoaglander came in, was not, originally was not expected to be much right out of the gate. And immediately Travis Green throws him right on the second line with Horvat and Pearson. And he does great. Scores his first NHL goal in his first game. Like, unreal. Like, he had... And uh, he had an amazing year, and this was after already playing another twenty games with uh, Regle, 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 something, Regle, in uh, the in the the Swedish Hockey League. So he's like he had an amazing year. He had a yeah. he he went and above. He didn't slow I was, down. No, he never slowed down. He went above and beyond the Call of Duty this season just because of the fact that he played through a pandemic. He moved to a new country in the middle of a pandemic. He. Got to new. He had to go get to know new teammates without actually being able to hang out with them really outside the rink. Yeah. Um. Tanner Pearson was very um was very uh gave some very nice quotes when I asked him about uh Hoaglander season because I did it again. It was oh. from the teammates' perspective rather than Nils, and he talked about you know like he came in. He's you know he's a quiet guy. He come, yeah. he's a he's been a quiet guy because he's still learning English. He's, but he really, he really came in and like in, in, you know, endeared himself to the room and everything and how much he meant, he meant to the group and just clearly taking advantage of the opportunities he's getting and how different it was compared to Pearson's own experiences as a rookie when he was back in like the 2013-14 when he was a king, just not just because of the fact that, that he ended up being on a Stanley Cup champion, but just because of the rent, like the complete difference of being a rookie in the NHL in this particular season compared to literally any other year and travis green said had nothing but just kind words to say about him like he talked a little bit about like what he's got to work on but other than that he was just like this like the kid's done like everything he could and he's only gonna get better and so true like hoaglander the sky the sky really does seem like the limit 
for him based on just his work ethic and how much he very clearly believes in himself and to be that difference maker already at like such a young age. Yeah. He's he's a huge reason this 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 season didn't completely go off the well, rails he, just because and he was he was a, one of the reasons why he was watchable yeah he became a fan favorite like with the you know the hope of the lacrosse goal of hoping like the hope the lacrosse goal didn't yeah. happen this year unfortunately Sad but times. he got he the um the umlaut uh um uh discussion and how that became a big rallying cry for canucks fans even from the internet and uh finally yep. he did get it end up getting it on his jersey which was great like <laughs> that that's he he did a he was a huge part of this year and he yeah as much as this year will be remembered for all the bad stuff it deserve he deserves to have it remembered for his great rookie year too he won't he won't win the calder obviously he nope. probably won't get even a lot of votes this year just because of the way the the He'll probably get the like a fourth place vote or something maybe a fifth i don't place. he won't be a fine he won't be one of the three finalists i don't think unfortunately although i think he no. can be, i think he's deserve i think he's deserving of it um but he 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 was a great he was fantastic this year and i cannot wait to see uh what he does as he grows like he's been great i agree um all right let's rattle off quick some quick ones least exciting player mark michaelis guaranteed could bar- like as <laughs> oh. he just sky- des- described you barely even tell he was on the team oh. at times that's, he thought he was hoglander that's and that's the most you can say but you don't have to answer um, if you don't want to least exciting player um i guess i will go with um i i <laughs> i i don't i can't even god like I can't, I can't, I can't really pick anyone out of the lineup right now. I guess I'll, I'll go with, I'll, 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 I'll say, I'll say. You'll Louis piggyback Erickson. off of mine. Oh, oh, no, I'll, say Louis, I, I'll say, I'll say Louis Erickson. Uh, yeah, okay. Six million dollars didn't uh, only crack the lineup for seven games. Oh, Oops. God. Oops. What a, what a uh, watch. Uh, okay. Uh, next guy, the trade bait award. Who do you think is going to yield the best return for the Canucks in this off season? Uh, oh. I'm thinking it's going to be Nate Schmidt. I have a feeling he's probably going to want out because fuck carrying the bl- the blue line that he's going to have to pl- carry next year. He's still got a ton of value. If they can recoup something better than the third round pick from two years from now that they gave up, that's a pretty big win for this organization that has taken nothing but L's. Uh, but yeah, I that'd feel- be my choice. That or JT Miller. I... I will piggyback off of this one. Um, I think we're going to go... This this particular episode, we focused a lot on, you know, the overall franchise, like, rather than the individual players and their seasons a whole lot today. And that's yeah, yeah. because that was kind of had to take second place. I think on the next episode, which is going to be, like, after lockout, locker room cleanout day, like, tomorrow, I believe, is exit interviews, like, with the media and everything... Uh, right. Who I, hopefully we're going to maybe try and get somebody in who uh, got to talk to the players uh, before they leave uh, yeah. for the summer. Um, it, like, um, but yeah, with Nate Schmidt, man, he got, I remember in game one, he got hit with a puck, like right, he got hit in the face with a puck right on like, like in the first period, I think. And they, yeah. and I remember thinking at that time, like oh my god is this like this is this going to be an omen for his season because that's happened <laughs> yeah. a lot before because that's happened before where like like louis erickson famously put the puck yep. in his own net the, the most very infamous. first game 
six million after signing that massive contract first game he puts the puck in his own net and erica branson in his first game as a canuck is the one who chases it down and runs into the net and yeah and just goes slamming into the and knocking the net off its pegs um literally like i just remember thinking at the time like oh my god this is this is going to be the omen for his season isn't it and sure enough sure enough it was for him um he was as good as i think he could have been and oh my god again smiliest guy great like seemed like one of the night like one of the nicest guys in the world and god i i just knew the second they brought him in they were gonna break him they were going to just destroy that poor guy mr positivity and yep they did it they they broke nate schmidt which is just awful and this is probably it for him in vancouver i hope not i hope not i liked i actually liked he's a really fun interview work. and same for the same mm-hmm. reasons that i have with like tyler grayovac like keep the guys that are entertaining around because i like you need you mm-hmm. need something to talk about i um yeah i liked him i think he i want him to stay if he yeah if, if, they, if they can yeah okay so next award I, uh the best goalie best goal what you said best goalie aware so i don't uh i don't know fully what that uh that what you're looking for there i don't remember typing uh, aware that's weird apparently aware is in there oh. but best goal award best goalie award okay fair enough <laughs> um best uh best goalie i mean okay it's i mean thatcher demko uh we'll talk about Braden holpe at a later time yeah after he's traded <laughs> Uh, it's, it's been a, t- again, it's been a tough year all around for everybody. I think, I think in a normal season, I would have expected him to take a little step forward. Although Kevin Woodley, uh, did tweet out some, uh, some interesting statistics about how actually his expected goals was higher than a lot of, uh, other NHL, a lot of NHL starters. Like it was higher, uh, than like Markstrom's. It was higher than I believe Tristan Jari's. Uh, like there's a, I think uh, there's a huge list of like guys, including ones that made the playoffs that he has a better expected goals statistic than it's still not a good one, but it's one of those, but what the, the point of it was, was trying to go over the, um, this is a guy who got, this is a goalie who got stuck playing on a bad defensive team and couldn't bail them out every single night, which is, this might be news to us after getting years of this. But that's not normal. Like, norm, good teams don't need their goalies to bail them out every single night the way the Canucks have done with Demko and Markstrom before him. And that's for... And Braden Holtby couldn't do that. And you shouldn't have to. It just... But it came... It Statistics-wise, it came back to really bite him this year. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, best goalie was Arthur Seelovs. Um, just really yes. brought it every night. Taxi he was squad. perfect. Actually, no, sorry. He was... I was, he was joking flaw- he in his him. NHL in his NHL uh, appearances. He was flawless. Yes, Very good. he had a, had a pretty ugly mustache. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Um, um, don't you, uh, you can't chirp the guy's mustache. Come on, I know I really can't. I'm the last person that should be chirping any kind of facial oh. hair. Um, Bur- oh, no, burn. Go- goalie yes. of the year is Michael DiPietro for having to like. Speaking of management incompetence, we didn't even get into. Um, Michael DiPietro and how he was handled, but like pfft, that guy is a fucking. And the whole thing where the Blues positive. basically bullied the Canucks into not letting him start more games at the end of the season. Oh my god! Their own fucking Again. farm team. Like what yep. the fuck? Their own, their own, their own farm team. Like good lord. Okay, yeah. we don't have time anyway, to do this now. Time. Another uh, day. 
Uh, so yeah, last last one because the other two are pretty much uh, a joke. Yeah. Um, best defenseman. Best defenseman. Best yeah, best defenseman. defenseman. The, the other three I had on our list were kind of a joke. Okay. Unless you want to do but, tallest defenseman, because that's no, a tough one. I'm a, I'm a, I'm okay on that one. Okay. Best defenseman. Um, like I mean, it's Quinn Hughes, obviously, but. It's a, but obviously Quinn Hughes struggled this year. Like, there's no doubt about it that he had a bit of a a sophomore slump. I don't know if whether that's due to so much uh, having to carry a line all of a sudden. Because remember, he had Chris Tanev as a partner last year. That didn't, that meant that while he was developing, while he was learning the ropes of the NHL last year, he didn't have to be like the main player of, like, he didn't have to, like, it wasn't a, if he made the, on the rare times that he made errors last year, it wasn't going to, he, they didn't have to worry that it was going to cost them and find the way into the back of the net that often. Right. Um, because Tanev was there to be the, the, the cushion. This year, he had to carry lines the entire time. He had to carry a partner the entire time, which is asking a lot. And it, especially when the, the defensemen you're carrying theoretically are not really capable of playing the, uh, role that and playing the role and playing the lineup matches that you are so he got he got kind of stuck and his numbers took a took a took a hit because of it and it's it's too bad uh he'll come back next year better bet better i'm sure um again hopefully they find a proper partner for him um i think schmidt should have been that guy but the problem again was that they just didn't have the depth at defense to be comfortable putting them together because it would have just made the other two pairings so obviously inefficient and that it would have and they really needed someone fast to play with alex edler and nate schmidt was the only option because myers edler as we've talked about many times on this podcast is a complete disaster so schmidt was the odd man out and pretty much roped into a role that he was not suited for where he had to carry a very flat lead-footed elderly man for most of the season and and next year not much will probably change not just because of the fact that uh there's probably not going to be a lot of defensemen out there to improve it the situation but also the fact that because tyler myers is on the team making six million dollars um somebody has to play with him you can't bench you cannot put him in the press box as much as they probably should if the team was healthier you, you you can't, which means that you are guaranteed to have one defensive pairing that's a black hole in its own end. And there is, and or you have to have one, def- like, it means you can't have a, a, a rookie playing, like Jack Rathbone, for example, playing with a more ideal partner. Somebody, right. somebody, somebody who shouldn't be getting stuck with Tyler Myers is going to have to get stuck with Tyler Myers, even if there is no one there that he should be playing with on a pairing because they don't fit yeah. what he does. Like even at his best, there even at what he does best, there is no one on that left defense on that left side who fits what he brings properly. So you're kind of stuck, and hopefully they find ways to remedy that next season. Yeah, hopefully. Well, in case they don't. Uh, yeah. This, I don't even know. Did I pick a best defenseman? I don't even know anymore. No, you did not. I think you'll probably pick Hughes too. Although maybe you pick Schmidt. No, I was actually. Do you want to make an argument for Schmidt? 
I was actually going to make Hamannick? an argument for Travis Hamannick because fair, I, that's, I, a fair, I was, that's a fair one. I was not convinced about Hamannick at all in like the first stretch of games, but you couldn't fault him because he came in late. He had to quarantine. He missed all the training camp. He hadn't played in like over, you know, a year and like several months. So like he was pretty much behind the eight ball the entire start of the season. Uh, the Canucks were shit the entire time. Like he debuted it anyway. Quinn Hughes looked awful to start. But over the last like two months, even though the team was still like pretty bad, like I thought Hamonic was more than worth his contract. And uh, maybe he gets another deal. He looked all right. Didn't have injury concerns. So, I mean, yeah. that's that's a pretty big bonus. So for me, yeah. he was probably the team's best defenseman because after after overcoming that early the early uh, kind of speed bumps, like I think he really found his stride and ended up being like Hughes's best defenseman partner. He got time with Rathbone and was a really solid option for him too. So the fact that they have like basically like a, a Tanov incumbent while Tanov is like, like basically garnering praise over in Calgary on a much higher ticket. That's a pretty good win for the organization. So like congrats yeah. after seven years, you finally got one that win outside. Of I was, yeah. Uh, Hamannick, like I, I said, I've said like, I actually, I said this relatively recently that if, on a on a Stanley Cup or like a like a playoff bound team, Travis Hamonic would be a perfect third pairing defenseman. Like he would be perfect as like that final depth piece to shore up your your blue line before a playoff run. Hamonic is that kind of player on a on a on a team that's ready for that kind of run. This year, what he he had to he another guy who had to go above and beyond. He ended up having to play on a first pairing, even though that's probably not his where he should be on a on in the right in the right scenario. Right. And he did okay, and he did okay. Like he yeah. did quite well. I think with I think Ham again. I would like to see Hamonic neck. I would not mind seeing Hamonic return next year on like yeah. again on a third on a pairing. decent. Yeah, not on, on like a four by four or a six by six. Yeah, but on I a could decent easily contract. see it being like a a lock for opening night playing with a part with a good partner with a right partner on that left side if they find a, an upgrade for to, if they find an upgrade for him to play with Hughes like yeah. that's that's actually like a that's good bargain finding the again and we could again you could spend a whole other hour talking about the well if they actually had cap room and space or they weren't tight on or supposedly tight on cash they would have just spent, uh, you know, spent the whole bank on a broke the bank for another guy for a much more expensive player. But props where it's due, you found Hamannick, and he did yeah. well. And I wouldn't again would not mind seeing him return at all. I would totally be cool with that. Agreed. Well, El this one's uh, this one's run a little long, and fortunately, fortunately, well, that was kind we, of to be expected. Yeah, we had like holy shit, like. Just in the last like forty eight hours alone, we had like eighty seven topics to talk about. Yeah. We didn't even yeah. get into the fact that like and the comments played their last game. Like, there's just there's yeah. so much, so much has changed. News compacted in the last seven days, this, like unbelievable. I feel like like, and I know this will probably take a few like a little bit of extra time than like the like you know usually we do the pretty short ending. We come out of here, we say good, we you know say the good night, talk about where we're finer stuff. Um, I mean, this is a bit of, this is, a, this is, a, you know, this is the end of a very tough stretch for a lot of us, like in terms of the hockey, from a hockey standpoint, like, you know, we started with this technically started back in 
March of last year, where we didn't, you know, none, nobody knew, like, what we're, how long we were going to be at this for. A lot of people, like, a lot of people, like, especially, like, media and, like, friends of ours and, like, people on Twitter and stuff, um, have done such a great job during this pandemic and everything of, like, covering a hockey team and, like, doing all of these things and, like, talking about the team uh, in a, uh, during this season that has been so, so trying. And, uh, just wanted to, like, shout out people, like, some of the people who've been, like, you know, like, you know, we have all of our, we have friends, like, um, you know, like, like, Wyatt Drancer and, uh, Harmon doing the armies every single, for every single game. Like, holy. Like, that, those are the things sometimes you just look forward to at the end of the day, right? Like, you look, Daniel Wagner putting out amazing stuff at Passive Blues every single day during this, uh, during this whole during this whole season, like, and I mean, the list could go on and on, like, so many people, uh, and, like, people who don't write, like, there are fans who have just been great to interact with this season, and I could list every one of them on here, every podcast who's done a but lot we don't of have great to, we, content. We don't have time year. to do that, and I gotta we pee, don't... so let's not get into that. <laughs> okay, this guy's got, this guy's gotta pee, but I will, okay, I will end it like this, there, there, I will end it like this. Cody, buddy, I appreciate you. Okay, Aww. like we, it is this. It's nuts that again. You, we said at the top of the show that this has been one of the weirdest years. Talk about the weirdest possible year to decide to bring you in to do the show with me uh, every Aww. single week. And honestly, this has been like the. This has been so much fun. Like the, it hasn't been the team. Well, the hockey and the stuff that we've had to talk about on the show this year hasn't been like that fun. Uh, obviously, I will look back on the season for two reasons. One, the Botchford Project Night, obviously. And then two, just to do in the podcast with you every day, every week. It's been an absolute treat and a pleasure. And we're not going anywhere yet. Uh, we still got a lot more episodes still to go. (laughs) This is, this is the bad time to let everyone know uh, the show is over. This is the final one. Yeah, he's a UFA and I'm not intending on re-signing. No, I'm just kidding. Cody is here for the long, for, Cody's got a, Cody has got a lifetime contract as long as he wants it. He is here. Until, until Lachlan starts living day to day. Oh God. Oh God. (laughs) Never. (laughs) um listen yeah honestly um just the fact of how much the show has gotten better like in like from like our first episode together we've now done i think close to 40 together yeah pretty nuts it's we've done a great like this has been so much fun just seeing us like seeing the the product improve on our show every single week more and more people coming and listening to us and honestly guys like like cody thank you like you've been you're awesome it's been a pleasure covering this season with you even if the, the season itself hasn't been good <laughs> yeah and i wouldn't and have, I wouldn't have wanted to start really uh, i wouldn't have wanted to start a uh, canucks podcast in any other season with anybody else but you because Aww. my god what a season to to start doing a weekly podcast because holy shit <laughs> what a wild season to, to start covering hockey man yeah like again Unreal. Bad seasons are not fun for content. Like, don't like, ne- don't kid, don't you don't like misconstrue what we're saying. It sucks covering a team when they're not good. It's the worst. It is so hard to find ways to enjoy it. Um, the way the ways like stuff like this is uh, this is how we try to find our best way to enjoy it. Is we have a conversation, we chat, we make jokes, and that's kind of just how. Like, that's how we get through it. It's kind of, we're not so much, like, 
finding ways to make fun of a bad season as we are a support group for ourselves and hopefully yeah, this is, for this you is basically guys. like um this is like canucks therapy or like a cathartic therapy where you get to vent because you can't really you can only vent so much to people that have no idea what you're talking about and they just look at you like a crazy person uh yeah. so yeah this is this is really great um it's really it was really awesome too, like to sandwich in between like recording like episodes to see you get picked for the Botchford project, like a thing that I was picked for. So it was just like, that's my boy. Especially yeah. considering, like as I said in our earlier episode, it was very very good to see that because, like I said, I helped a lot of people with their applications, and if you didn't get in <laughs> and one of them did, this would have been the most awkward back half of a season i think i'm not i could possibly imagine so <laughs> you traitor yeah oh, yeah, that you, yeah ugly. there's but, that and on and we've been doing a bunch of and i think also we've been doing both of us have been getting opportunities to do a lot more things since this show has started and i i don't know if i can speak to that so much from your perspective you pretty much had your own thing you were very well established before you came on this show but i know for me uh if it wasn't for you coming on this show uh, I wouldn't be getting half the opportunities that I am oh, right please. now. So I'm you, really you'd have got there anyway, that. dude. You're 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 killing it, and we're gonna try and kill it some more this off season, this summer. There's obviously yes. a lot to cover. We have the expansion draft coming up. We have the entry draft. Um, Lachlan is going to be taking a bit of a break as he, because uh, I, oh. I can't I can't marry him. And so he'll be, uh, he'll be fleeing oh, the country no. for a little oh, bit. Oh, actually, I'll be, oh, no, I'll actually be still be doing the show during that time. I, oh, I'm okay. Still, I'm still, I'm still available to do the show. So basically, just okay. very quickly, because I know Cody wants to get going here. Here's the, here's what we're, th- here's the plan for going for the off season right now. We're going to keep doing, uh, two, we're going to keep doing two episodes a week, every single week during the, pl- throughout the playoffs, through the draft, uh, through the the Seattle expansion draft, and then the probably the first week of after free agency opens. After that, but we're gonna take a month off, and then we'll come back with one ep- with just one episode a week up until the regular season when we'll go back to the two to the two. Yeah, that's kind of the that's the preliminary plan. The shows might get a little bit more different in how we do things rather than what we do during the season. Yeah. Uh, they might be closer resembling to like what we do on off the post. They might be yeah. more interviews. They might be a lot of things. We're going to try some stuff. Uh, but we're still, we are not going anywhere anytime soon. We got lots more to come. We'll be back with two episodes next week and the week after and the week after we got lots more to come. Yeah. Content. Thank coming, you guys. But it's been great. Thank you guys this- for listening. Um, you can find myself at Cody Sievertson on Twitter. Uh, my site, cometsharvest.com, uh, bookmark it now before I change the name, because uh, that's probably going to come depending on the Abbotsford uh, AHL team's name. Lachlan, yes. where can the fine folks find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Lock in the Crease. You can find my work at lockinthecrease.com. Um, tomorrow will be the last North Division Power Rankings ever. Uh, that'll be coming out tomorrow. Um, so look out for that. Um, also please go check out, if you haven't already, go check, go to Canucks.com. Uh, you can find my one article, my Botchford Project article on Nils Hoaglander. Um, and yeah, I have lots of content on the way before the, in the next week, actually, we've got some, some stuff in, I got some stuff in the works for the next uh, week before we, uh, officially, uh, wrap the season up from a writing standpoint. Yeah. I don't yeah, have that much content coming out. I got I got a review of like the as we as we spoke about earlier, the very 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 minimal Canucks prospects that they have in the AHL system that might 
come back and might not come back. And I'm going to do a deep dive into their season and what we can expect in Abbotsford next year. Until then, folks, thank you so much um, for tuning into this season, though. Oh, we really appreciate yes. it. If you enjoyed the show, check out our Patreon. One. Yeah. If you enjoyed okay, the show, we check out our... Yeah, five, bu- five bucks a month. Yeah, five bucks a month. Uh, go check that out. Uh, and subscribe on all your local platforms, including YouTube. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. It really, really helps us out. And we're going to keep, again, lots more and, shows to come. And leave us reviews. Like, come on. Yes, please. This takes two, takes two seconds. Like we you, we're you, we're doing this for you. Don't you, come on. Don't, don't be jerks. Don't shame the viewer. The, the, the viewers and the listeners. Them. How dare you? I leave, okay. I leave reviews on their products. So I think we on. should just you know I think we should just leave this episode on a thank you, Jim. How about that? Oh, let's leave it on that. Bye, everybody. <laughs> thank you so much. We'll be back on Friday. Bye. Bye.